to another edition of the Backdoor Cover IB Sports Weekly Gambling Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Fleming. With me is the man of many names, Ivy Yeezus, actively lazy on the Facebook group. I just call him Alan. Alan, how you doing, buddy? What's up? How you doing? I was doing a lot better going into last week's podcast. We didn't have quite as good a week in golf, but that happens. Uh, but other than that, doing well. Uh, figured today we we're going to talk some baseball, a little bit more college basketball. It's March Madness is right around the corner, and then do the Honda Open preview. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, let's let's get to it. Perfect. All right, so we're going to start with some baseball odds. Uh, I'm going to do it a little different. I'm going to read off all the odds for the divisions, and then. Uh, we're going to ask a little bit different questions and just going through them actually division by division. But for the AL East, uh, the Yankees are minus 500. The Rays are plus 500. The Red Sox are plus 800. The Blue Jays are plus 3,000. And the Orioles, that ain't happening, plus 10,000. And the AL West, the Astros, who are going to be interesting this year, are minus 200. The Angels are second at plus 300. The A's at plus 750. The Rangers at plus 1,200, and the Mariners at plus 10,000. And then in the AL Central, we have the Twins at minus 160, the Indians second at plus 250, the White Sox third at plus 300, the Royals at plus 10,000, and the Tigers at plus 30,000, which I didn't totally understand that. And then in the NL East, on the NL side, we got the Braves at plus 175, this in the Central the, uh, Divisions, the Mets at plus 250, the defending champs at plus 250, the Nats, the Phillies at plus 325, and the Marlins at plus 25,000. And then in the NLS, you have big favorites in the Dodgers at minus 700, the D-backs at plus 800, the Padres at plus 1,000, the Rockies at plus 3,000, the Giants at plus 4,000. And then finally in the NL Central, we have the Cardinals as the favorite at plus 200. Then right behind them, the Reds at plus 225 the Cubs at plus 250, the Brewers at plus 350, and the Pirates at plus 4,500. Now, what I figured we would do is we're going to go through, and out of the six favorites, let's start with this. you got the Yankees at minus 500, the Astros at minus 200, the Twins at minus 160, the Braves at plus 175, the Dodgers at minus 700, and the Cardinals at plus 200. Which of those do you like? If it's more than one, go ahead and explain why. Um, so out of the favorites, I would say that the Yankees have the best value because the Dodgers' odds are just so ridiculously high. Um, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are plus two hundred. Yep. So. Because I'm looking, I'm looking at it from the the email that you sent me. It's it's just a little off the way it um, translates on, on my phone. So I would say the Yankees are the safest bet, 
Astros are going to be, they're going to have a lot going on, man. It's going to be a lot of turmoil. Um, the one thing that favors them is that their division just can't get right. So as long as everybody stays healthy, they still should have enough to win that division. Uh, the Red Sox have, have dial, uh, bagged it and cashing in or whatever. The Raids are probably one of my uh, favorite sleeper teams. But this Yankee squad is, is just super motivated, and, and they've got a lot of talent. Um, I know they just lost Severino today to Tommy John, but I, I really think that they're going to be all in on um, – they're going to be all in on to this year. So regardless of losing Severino, I expect them to be buyers around the trade deadline and pick up somebody else uh, to help with that uh, starting rotation. And, and I – think that rightfully so they should be the favorite to come out of the uh, AL East and to go to the World Series uh, again, or first time in a long time, but to go to the World Series out of the uh, American League. Um, so in the National League, since I'm not picking the, the Dodgers because it's just an insane amount of juice, and they really should win that weak division. Uh, I am a Braves fan. I hesitate to pick the Braves. Um simply because I, I don't like our manager and it just seems like nobody in this division can really be consistent. So the Braves caught lightning in a bottle last year, did really, really well. It's just highly unlikely that they would be able to to, to replicate uh, such success. Be three years in uh, a row it, winning the division. Yeah. It, it and But the way they won it last year, man, like just – the, the sheer dominance uh, of the team last year, I think it'll be really hard. Um, so I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Um, I, just call it call it me just thinking that, you know, this is their year uh, to, to kind of reclaim it. Uh, they did pretty well last year. Actually, they probably exceeded expectations last year. Um, so I, I think that they can um, – I think that they can reclaim it two to one, pretty good value. Um, I, I guess my only hesitation would be that the Brewers were were just really good last year with the bats, and all they really needed was their pitching to come through in the end. But they don't have. I don't think they've got the um, the bullpen consistency that that they've had over the last couple of years, and and that's probably what's going to hurt them. But the Cardinals have some live arms in their bullpen and in their organization. And they just always find a way, man. They're just a really consistent team. So I think two to one, that's pretty good value. Uh, I agree with your Yankees. Uh, I also would say that I I, I do like the Astros at minus 200. Uh, I know, you know, obviously there's a lot. This this season could go one way or the other for them, but I really think it's going to be kind of an us against them mentality. Uh, I think they're going to be very good at home. Uh, and I just think that, that those guys, I mean, it's pressure, so it could go the other way. But if you're Altuve and Springer and those guys, like, you you better uh, have at least an equally good season as you have the last couple of years or you, you know what you're going to hear. So that could go either way. But I just still think they're the best team in the division. Until the Angels prove something, I don't believe in them. And the A's are always good, but don't know if they have the firepower to go with the Astros. And like what you were saying about the Yankees with losing Severino, they picked up Cole. So, I mean, if you really look at it, that's still a net game, even with this unfortunate injury that just came out today. Uh, in the NL, I don't really like any of the teams because just like what you're saying, the only one that 
I think would be a surefire of the Dodgers. And uh, unless you're planning on uh, really being sure about that at minus 700, I would not recommend making that bet. So let's go to the middle tier teams and do the same thing. So I got the Rays and the AL East. All these teams are plus uh basically lower than plus 700 odds from the plus 300 to plus or excuse me plus 225 to plus 700 odds you got the Rays at plus 500 the Angels at plus 300 the Indians at plus 250 the White Sox at plus 300 the Mets and Nats at plus 250 the Phillies at plus 325 the Reds at plus 225 the Cubs at plus 250 and the Brewers at plus 350 I gotta go with the Rays, man. Um, they're just a they're a team with the type of pitching that really scares a team like the Yankees. Um, and then one thing about the Rays too is they can manufacture runs, um, which is something that uh, I I think if you look historically in Major League Baseball, the teams who who exceed expectations generally have young live arms and then just find a way to manufacture runs. It's not the prettiest lineup, but they know how to move people. They know how to hit with runners in scoring position, and that makes them very dangerous. And ultimately, they, they can really win a lot of games, 3-1, to 2-1, 2-0. They're a very, very dangerous team to me. Um, and I expect them, if, if not, to sneak up on the Yankees uh, a little to at least compete for a wild card spot without a doubt and and make it through that first wild card game just because of their pitching. Is there any of those other teams you like or is that really the only one um, that stands out to you? Well, I I mean I can I guess, I guess you could say that the Phillies, I mean they still got the bats, man. They got a lot of money in that team too. Like plus 325. Like come on, man. Like they they should be competing for the for the division, um, and and they've got um, an MVP, a former MVP, sorry, in Bryce Harper. Uh, Real Muto is one of the best offensive catchers and one of the best just catchers all around in baseball. Um, they they their lineup is pretty solid. I think the one thing they lack is a true leadoff, but um, they should be they should be a threat. I'm gonna I'm gonna also put a plug in for the Reds. I think the Reds are gonna surprise some people this year. Uh, I think they've got uh, a pretty solid team that doesn't look that great on paper, but they know how to they Those know how to play baseball. Those odds me. Yeah, well, I I think it's because odds makers are well aware of Trevor Bauer and and those young arms. And and they play in a hitter friendly ballpark historically, but they had really good um outings from from young pitchers last year. Um and I think that's got a lot of people optimistic. Uh, a couple of their young bats came up with some pop. That's got a couple of people optimistic. Joy Votto is still one of the best uh at at hitting just in general. Um his approach to the plate and everything is great. So um I think people are are pretty optimistic about their chances and and it I think it's also the Cubs with their Talks of trading, um, trading Chris Bryant, Bryant. maybe, or, or 
things like that. And then with the Indians as well, at plus 250, they're talking about getting rid of Lindor. Like, those are pretty key cogs in their offense and defense. So uh, that would make me hesitate on putting anything on those teams or, or backing them so early in the season because what if they do dump one of those guys? I mean, you're talking about all-star caliber talent, and if that's getting dumped, then I'm going to look to invest in teams that I think would be buyers of those guys, like the Nationals or, uh, I mean, I don't want to go anywhere near the Dodgers, but uh, maybe the Reds would be buyers. The Cardinals are always uh, low-key buyers around this time. Um, the Angels seem to want to be buyers this year, so even maybe potentially they could be in play for uh, for Chris Bryant or Actually, I guess since they just got Anthony Rendon, they could be in play for somebody that would be potentially buyers. Um, I don't think Fran- Francisco Lindor would be on their on their plate either because they've got Simba at shortstop. But you just never know. Like you never know with these with these second place teams and and like the team like the Rays who probably have have the 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 finances to to really make a splash on a trade because they definitely got the prospects, but the finances to make a splash on a trade and maybe even sign one of those guys. Uh, like a Chris Bryant or a Francisco Lindor, I mean, it makes you wonder. So, like I said, I'm going to stick with the team with the live arms and, and the consistency at scoring with runners in scoring position. The only team that, I mean, and you mentioned them briefly, but I really like getting the defending champs. I know they lost Rendon, but they got pretty much everybody else coming back, plus 250. A lot of people thought they underperformed in the regular season last year, then obviously saw their postseason run. And, you know, again, plus 250, I I think that those top four teams in the NL East, it, it wouldn't surprise me if any of them won the division. So, I'm you know, might take the, the defending champs coming in a little bit more confident than the rest of those teams. Uh, the long shots, and we're not going to talk about all of them, but let's just the three of them. Which of these do you like the most? The Red Sox at plus 800, the A's at plus 750, or the D-backs at plus 800? The Athletics, baby, one of my favorite teams, yeah. man. They 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 play baseball the way that we wish people played baseball. It's all or nothing. They're either hitting home runs or they ain't hitting nothing. And uh, I like them. I, I, I like their uh, their grit. Um, if they could get Chris Davis to hit curveballs and just return to form, per se, they would be one of the most dangerous teams because their pitching isn't all that bad, uh, actually. Um, and just everybody from the top of the lineup to the bottom can hit home runs in that ballpark, which isn't even technically a hitter-friendly ballpark. It's, it's pretty deep in, in certain areas, especially where they typically hit their home runs. Like, it, like they launch the ball. And one thing about the athletics that really um, makes me excited for them this year uh, to see what they can do is that they were one of the few teams who also hit on the road just as good as they hit at home. A lot of times in baseball you see splits uh, that are pretty heavy favorite to home teams because obviously people play at ballparks that benefit their players. Uh, another team that was not really um, hindered by playing on the road last year offensively were the Yankees. But I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would dare say uh, people will probably be shocked how much the Athletics did offensively last year um, as a team. I don't think it was really talked about a lot because the record doesn't necessarily reflect it, but they they can score runs and 
And I'm telling you, if they if they catch the Astros slipping, because again, we don't know how the Astros are going to react to all this drama that's surrounding their team. But if they catch the Astros slipping, I would bet on that long shot more than anybody else. And not to mention the Astros won 107 games last year, and the A's were only 10 games back. They won 97 games last year. I mean, I forgot that, and that happened last year. Uh, just to your point, they're a really good team. Uh, the World Series odds uh, of the favorites, you got the Yankees at plus 305, the same for the Dodgers, and then you have three teams at plus 900 in the Astros, Braves, and Cardinals. Which of those teams do you like to win it all at the odds that they're at? All right, let's see. I'm I'm gonna pull up the uh, the sheet that you sent me so I can see here. Uh, let's see my World Series odds. I guess that these odds. I mean, I'm just it's tough to really fade favorites per se, but it's also really difficult for a team that's three to one to make it all the way to the World Series. I mean, a lot of things kind of have to fall in place, but if I'm if I'm definitely banking on a team to be in that position, I would say that the Dodgers are more than likely to get there than the Yankees. Because uh, they're gonna they're not gonna have to do a whole lot of competing uh in the National League. But I mean the Yankees I mean they they're gonna have a they're gonna have a gauntlet one way or another. I mean the Red Sox are always gonna give them fits regardless. Uh the Rays are there to give them fits. The Blue Jays, for what it's worth with their young talent and their bats, they're also there to give them fits. Uh, but you can look at the American League and tell that the talent in that league um, is is way better than the talent in the um, in the National League, and I just think the Dodgers division they can cruise through that, whereas the the Yankees are going to at least have to play for a couple months, um, and then the Yankees have to stay healthy. Dodgers typically have stayed healthy over the years. Yankees have had a lot of injuries uh, last year. I mean. The guys they filled in played exceptionally well, which is part of the um, the promise that they showed as a team. There was, there was guys, like I want to say Tockman was one, um, and then there's a couple other guys that they just literally would plug and play, and you couldn't tell the difference uh, based on the box score. Now, can they do that again this year? I don't know. Like, was that just, you know, a one-time thing? But the, the injuries – are there and it is a little concerning. So um, I would say I like the Dodgers more than the uh, Yankees right now. Um, if I had to take a shot at a long shot for the World Series, uh, would I would say probably the Phillies at twenty five to one. And and just because, like I said, I mean they got the bats, man. It's not like their pitching is awful either. They've got a shot. Anytime you got guys like Bryce Harper, Real Muto in the middle of your lineup, you got a shot. But that Dodgers lineup is going to be wild, especially if they keep Jock Peterson all the way through. It's going to be wild. It's going to be pretty heavy. I, I agree with all of that. The other team that, again, I, I keep saying, 16-1 to 1 on the defending champs. I know they lost Rendon, but uh, they have basically everything else coming back. They still have some really good hitters in their lineup, including one of the best young players in the game. If he takes a leap, maybe it makes up for some of Rendon's loss in offense. And again, 16 to one, it's not terrible odds. I also kind of like the Astros at nine to one, because again, I think they're just going to be out to prove uh, to everybody that the last couple of years haven't been a fluke. 
So let's move on to college basketball. We got the conference tournaments coming up. Uh, I, I went ahead and broke down again. We got the the odds for the Big Ten, the SEC, the American, the Big East, the ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12. I only did the top six teams because I just I can't see somebody deeper in that, you know, winning their conference championship tournament. And if they do, kudos, even more kudos if you, you bet on them. But let's just go through the favorites. These are all teams that have plus 300 odds or less. In the Big Ten, you have Ohio State at plus 350. In the SEC, you have Kentucky at plus 250, Auburn at plus 300. The American, almost all the top six are in that. you got Memphis at plus 250, Cincinnati plus 280, uh, Wichita is at plus three, uh, 350, and Houston is at plus 390. And the Big East, you got Villanova at plus 200, Butler 300. And the ACC, we have Duke and Louisville at plus 180. In the Pac-12, you have Oregon at plus 170, Arizona at plus 230. And then in the Big 12, you have Baylor at minus 130 and Kansas at plus 230. Is there any of those that jump out to you as the best value in the sense that you think they're going to win? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say it. God, I, I just know that even if Corey doesn't listen to this podcast, I just know that secretly you know, his ears are, are itching right now because – he knows what I'm about to say. Listen, man, I hate Kansas with, with all my heart, but oh, after seeing the Baylor, there's absolutely no way you couldn't jump on that plus two thirty, man. What? I mean, like, what is that? Like, how, could you not how many have they won in a row? Twenty? Like, how many conference yeah, times have they won in a row? Yeah, like they literally win the conference. They win. They win the Big Twelve without even trying, and um. You have to you have to understand like if you watch that game I think the one thing that sticks out excuse me the one thing that sticks out in that game Saturday is that if Baylor hit their free throws they probably win it probably becomes a closer game and I'll give you an, an example of of what free throws can do when the team is con- consistent um, Louisville and Florida State were in a tight game. But Florida State literally made 85 to 90 percent of their free throws, and that is why they blew them out. They were in the bonus with with like 15 minutes to go in the in the second half. Like they got to the free throw line so quickly, and they all kept consistently making their free throws. And it even in the in the time period where they were stalling and the offense wasn't clicking because they kept making the free throws, they slowly came back. And then once the offense started clicking, it just blew out the water. Baylor had opportunities to close the gap on Saturday, and they could not make their free throws, and that ultimately hurt them. And then they don't have uh, – they really don't have a, uh answer for the um, lineup switch that, that uh, Self did when he used Azubuke without the other big. They went with a smaller lineup and, and just Azubuke, and um, it just was – it just didn't look like a good matchup. So there's no way I would not jump on that. Um, the next one – uh, especially after I just got this alert that Duke lost. Listen, man, if you are not respecting Florida State basketball right now, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. They went to Louisville and beat Louisville. They gave Duke a decent game. I think they covered the number at Duke. They're unstoppable at home and neutral. They just beat Virginia, right? They're, yeah, they're fine. They're fine. They're one of the better teams 
in the ACC. Matter of fact, I've got them as one of my like sleeper teams in the NCAA tournament at to one. You you got to take a shot at that too. I mean, if you don't do anything but put ten dollars on it, I can tell you right now, I'm not a fan of Duke and Louisville at all. I'm definitely not a fan of of, of Virginia. UNC is trash and NC State is trash. So I mean, honestly, when I look at that at that conference, I, I'm thinking F, FSU and maybe hedge with them playing Duke or Louisville when that time comes. Um, next thing, Big Ten, Ohio State is not winning that that conference. They're not. They're not. I don't know who who, do you who like is in because that conference then. Big Ten's been who all do you over like the place odds? this year, man. Uh, at at these odds, I probably would say Maryland. Um, That's just because Maryland's got, yeah, they got what I think is the the more consistent backcourt. Um, Penn State was one of my uh, darlings, but they've kind of fell off for me. Iowa can fill it up, man, but they 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 just don't do it for me either because they, they just lack something on defense. But Maryland can can run with teams and then they can grind teams. And whereas Michigan State and Michigan seem to be more centered around around um their their uh bigger players like their front court um and I know Michigan State has uh what is it Cassius Winston uh in the back court but he he hasn't been that consistent to me this year um and I think uh Cowan has been the far better of the point guards uh and for his team been far better and Maryland uh the physicality and the athleticism of the team I just like more than I like Michigan State and Michigan I feel like Michigan State and Michigan have been kind of soft this year um but Ohio State getting that much love I think is is really unfortunate because they just haven't shown anything outside of their home court uh in the SEC I'm not that high on Auburn anymore unfortunately LSU could be a dark horse um, in that conference. I wouldn't even bother with Mississippi State or Tennessee. Florida is not the wave, and Kentucky is the rightful favorite there, and and I think it is their conference to lose. But when they match up against an LSU or an Auburn, it will be interesting. I think they can handle everybody else just fine, but it will be interesting when they match up against LSU or Auburn. Uh, American Conference. I want to like Witchy, but something about Houston is sticking out to me. Um, Cincinnati has Cumberland, and I know people are infatuated with them, but they've also not been that great on defense over the last couple of games, I think. Um, I know the numbers might not show it, but the efficiency, uh, their defensive efficiency is down a little. And I don't know if that's a, a trend that will continue, but if it does, then the better offensive teams like Wichita State and Houston will take advantage of them really bad. Uh, no need to bother with UConn or Temple. And then Memphis, I don't think they should be favored. Um, without um, Wiseman, I know they are a tough team. They're, they're well coached. They're playing hard, but they should not be the outright favorite in that division. Um, Big East, if you're looking for a true underdog, a true story, Creighton. <laughs> Creighton's I knew been you were going to say that. Every they've been on every basketball podcast I've listened to uh, with people trying to figure out how does a team that cannot rebound consistently winning games? How are they not the worst team in the nation? They haven't out rebounded anybody that they've played this year, especially in their conference. But yet they've been very dangerous. Uh, Xavier is a very dangerous team at, at the plus four fifty, and then Marquette has the best offensive player in the uh, in the league with um 
my man Howard. Where's Seton Hall? Is Seton? They Seton, were down the list. I only listed the top six, so they would have been outside what? of that. Seton Hall's not even on there. Man, look, well, hold on. I six. got a phone. All right, well. If you listen to the podcast, I'm going to go back and look and see where Seton Hall is. Look, Seton Hall has been one of the better teams in that conference. I know that they've had a couple games lately where they've been a little off, but they've got they've got the second-best score, if not – I mean, depending on what night you catch him, Miles Powell, he's good, man. And they play defense. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure they beat everybody on this list. This is the top six, too. So I'm a little – a little concerned by that. Um, Villanova, I mean, it's Jay Wright. That's why he's getting that love. Butler, eh, I don't know, man. I just they just don't do it for me on a neutral neutral floor. That's the thing that I'm I'm thinking of is like a lot of these teams that are favorite, they're not really good away from their home, and they're not that good on neutral floors either. So there's value in fading some of these favorites, like. Looking right back at the ACC, I, I really think there's value in Florida State taking a shot there. You don't have to put your whole life on it, but if you're looking for um, a low-risk, high-reward type play, uh, Florida State would be that wave. The best play on the board right now is obviously Kansas at plus 230. That's just criminal. All right, I want to get this right here before uh, you get mad at me. St. John's, and this is on, uh, and I apologize, my bookie does not have this, so I had to go somewhere else, but they're at plus. St. John's, is they just don't got it, man, defensively at all, <laughs> at all. And their offense is inconsistent, too. Um, I mean, they could they could give they could score eighty, but they're going to give up eighty five on the night that they score eighty. So it's just it's kind of a hard uh, play to make, and they just don't match up well with with um, the the more physical teams in that conference. And Villanova's physical, Seton Hall is physical, and um, Xavier has shown that they can be physical. Butler's definitely physical, so like they wouldn't beat any of those top teams, I don't think at all. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to the final topic. It's the golf. Uh, this week is the Honda Open. Unfortunately, this is probably the event that is hold on, hold on, affected hold on, hold on, by the shuffle. No, no, you got one more. Go hey, hold on, hold on. Now, if we're transitioning to golf, we, we got to hype it up because last week, man. Get ready. We were doing it. We were doing it. And we're doing it better than anybody else alive. That's right. I'm hyped, man. Look, I didn't even start the show bragging about my wins last week, but, you know, I'm kind of feeling myself right now. I, 50 to 1 and, what, 4 out of 7 props. I think the, I missed my 3 to 1 on um on Paul Casey top 10 by one stroke. And then Scheffler, my boy Scotty Scheffler was plus 260 to be top 20. And let me tell you what he did. He went in tied for 18th and then double bogeyed on the 18th hole. Yeah, I saw it. So, yeah. So I, I was set up to have one of the greatest days of all time, and it just ended up being one of the greatest days of all time still. But this weekend is terrifying. <laughs> I'm scared. Thank you. It's going to be you difficult. Be. Yes, it's yes. going to be difficult. But go ahead. So the Honda, which just real quickly, this is an event that used to be a really marquee event. They changed the schedule, we know, last year, moved the major up, the TPC up. 
because of that, you have the Riviera and WGC right before it. You got Bay Hill and the players right after it. And then you got all the majors coming right. And because of that, we only have six of the top 20 in the world here. Uh, we always do the key stats. This week, it's strokes gained approach, par fours gained, total driving gain. This is an interesting split that you would not expect for a course like this. It's 70% driving distance and 30% driving accuracy. So, Distance is a big key here. And then opportunities gained. The past winners, you got Keith Mitchell, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Adam Scott, Podrick Harrington, Russell Henley, Michael Thompson, and Rory McIlroy. The scores have been anywhere from 12 to 6 under. This is what's interesting. Course rating difficulty on tour. And this is including the majors that is ranked since 2018, 2nd, 16th, 5th, 4th, 17th, 5th, and 11th. It is the championship course known for its bear trap. It's consistently one of the toughest tournaments on tour. If the wind doesn't blow, it's hard. If the wind really blows, it's damn near impossible. There are 26 water hazards on this golf course, 26. So you're going to have a guy cruising, and the next thing you know, you're going to be like, wait a minute, he was two under. Why is he three over? It's going to be the three holes, 15 through 18. Water comes into play on all of those. Then on top of that, there's 78 bunkers spread throughout the course. These are not your flat, normal bunkers. Uh, It's it's one of the hardest scrambling events on tour. It's known for the 15 to 17, the bear trap, but holes five through seven are literally almost equally as difficult. And when you have two tough stretches, one on each side, it's just really hard to get a good round going. Uh, and, And because of that, it's really hard to predict a player with the most success. I would call this maybe the hardest tournament to predict on tour. Uh, as I just said, distance actually plays a little bigger role than you would think. I'm assuming that's because longer guys can hit less than driver uh, to some of these more narrow fairways uh, and still have shorter clubs in. But uh, the tournaments with the most crossover are the Sony Open and the Colonial. They are not exact matches, but they are similar in the sense that they typically are windy. Uh, both of them, you got to hit a lot of different shots, and it, it's tight. Three of the past four winners had a top 12 in one of the two previous events held there. Of all the players who played in the last three events there, only Stuart St., Gary Woodland, and Jason Duffner made the cut all three years. The guys who have gained the most strokes over the field for the past five years are Ricky Fowler, Ryan Palmer, Luke List, Billy Horschel, and Lucas Glover. The bottom of that list is Hudson Swafford, Matt Every. Fabian Gomez, Robert Streve, and Kurdrak Afabaratnat, which I did not pronounce that correctly. I know that. Uh, before we is get that the dude from like Sri Lanka? Who, from where? Is that the guy from Sri Lanka? You would know him. His, his name is spelled really funny. He's kind of a short, chunky guy, uh, Asian guy. Uh, his, his name's A P H A R I B A R N A T. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I just yeah, don't I know how to say his name. He's from Sri Lanka. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. He I'm going to Google be. it real quick. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. One of those so random things just, that, that you shouldn't know, but you do. Well, you should, though, because, I mean, the Olympics are coming <laughs> up, and that might get them in there. Uh, so for the purpose of this podcast, I went back, and uh, even though Alan made fun of me because I said I was going to do $100 for all the picks I'd given, because he goes, That's a lot of money. I go, I know, but I'm not very good at math. I need to figure that out. So at Pebble, I ended up losing $700 on my bets at Riviera, which was the big one where I hit the Adam Scott uh, and the Sun Kang at 14-1 to 1 to top 10. 
I won 3,900 last week. I lost 550. That was because, thank you to uh, Ortiz. If he wouldn't have had a top 20 at uh, plus 450, it would have been really bad. Uh, I'm just going to start by going over some of the guys I like to win. Uh, then I'll let you talk, and then we can do some top 10s and top 20s. Uh, I know you don't officially cap, but just kind of where you're headed. Uh, yeah. I don't like any of the guys before you get to Justin Rose at 2,200. I, I understand you got Kepka and Fleetwood and Fowler. Fowler particularly has a great record there. Kepka finished second last year. But I just – this event is such a – just a – it's a crap fest. Uh, because of that, I've only got eight guys that I basically am giving you that I like to win. And then I'm going to have – another 11 picks for top 10s and top 20s because I just think you actually have a better chance of success at those with some pretty good odds. But I like Justin Rose at plus 2,200. It's strictly about value. He's won at Colonial. That was one of the courses. He has a runner-up in four top 20s at the Sony Open. That's another one that we were talking about. And just at 22-1 for Rose at this venue with this field, which is not that great, it's just too good he has three top fives and a top 50 in four of his previous six starts here. He hadn't played in a couple of years, but and we won't discuss that he's missed two cuts in the two non-years from those four out of six starts. But still, three top fives and a 15th, that's pretty good. The other guy I really like in the lower odds is Billy Horschel at plus 2,800. He has uh, consecutive top tens in his last two events. Uh, and other than his last miscut in 2018, he has a tied 16th here last year, a tied 4th in 2017, and a tied 8th in 2016. He is a good play this week. He is 5th on tour on tough courses. This definitely qualifies. Uh, these next two guys are the only other two lower half of the odd picks I've given to win. Victor Hovland, I wasn't going to include him, but he's 33-1. to 1. He's coming off a win. He has a good track record at majors. Uh, this stat kind of blew me away. He is number one on tour on approach shots, proximity to the hole from 150 to 200 yards. This course has more of those than any course on tour, and he is first in proximity from that distance by almost two feet. Uh, he's also top 30 in tour on the tour in driving accuracy, greens and reg, and scoring average, which means in this field he'll probably be around the 15th or 20th best at those stats. 33 to 1, he might be, you know, Victor's a very talented guy. Maybe he needed that win to get going. I wouldn't be shocked for him to win twice. This is actually my favorite play to win. I love Shane Lowry at plus 4,000. This guy's won a major. He's won a WGC. He has the skill set for this course. They're calling for just brutal wins, I believe, on Friday and Sunday. Uh, he's used to the win, and this is just way too much value for him in this field. And he ranks first on tough courses, uh, but yet has the 14th highest odds. He should be in those top 10 guys. He's not at plus 4,000. I really like him. Uh, Joaquin Neiman at plus 5,500. This is just a hunch. He's 22nd in overall strokes gain T to green on the year and 27th in strokes gain total on tour. Uh, with the names missing here again, he'll probably be in the top 15 or 16 in, in the field for both of those stats. That's good enough at plus 5,500. This just seems like a course I could see him winning at. Another pick I really like is Lee Westwood at plus 6,000. Uh, you can actually get it in places at plus 8,000. I, I saw it two different places here today. He is a top 30 player in the world. 
He has moved up almost 40 places in the last four months. He's been killing it on the European tour. He had a good week last week. Uh, He is from this area. He actually lived in the area for quite some time. He knows the golf course really well. And he hasn't played here since 2015. But uh, when he did play here, he has three top tens and a 25th the last time he teed up in the event. I really like Westwood at those odds. He's another guy I could see winning there. Uh, Matthew Wolf at plus 5,500. Again, you can get him as, at like plus 8,000 on, uh, I believe, DraftKings. Wolf watched Hovland win last week. I, I think these guys really have a true competition. Again, this is a hunch, but he has the kind of firepower where he can make en- enough birdies to where he can be competitive, even in an event that some of the numbers don't match up. And I know he's not in great form, but I just like his firepower. And then the last guy that I'm giving you just as a straight-up win that I, I'm looking at is Luke List at plus 7,000. He has a great track record here, maybe arguably outside of Fowler and a few others. He had a runner-up in 2018. He had a tied 10th there in 2016. He's made the cut in three straight events, and he also is somebody who thrives on hard golf courses. Those are the eight guys that I like this week. Uh, with the odds to win. Who do you like this week uh, with odds to, to actually win the whole thing? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me, I keep having to clear my throat. Um, so the one thing I wanted to say is not surprising about Glover and Liss. Uh, they're both two guys who usually grade pretty well on windy courses. So it definitely makes sense for Luke Liss, for sure. Um, I'm not really shocked that I actually like that as as one of those, like, High value picks that was he seventy to one? Like, I yep. mean, that's pretty. There's yeah, a that's lot of those guys. That pretty play. good. Yeah, a lot of those that's, guys. That, to me, that's pretty good. That I wouldn't even count that as a long shot play for real. Honestly, I would just make that one of my standard plays. Um, I was thinking that one of the categories that I was going to add um, to look at is bogey avoidance um, because, like, this is the type of course yep. that people usually score some high numbers in line. and I've been a victim of the bear trap uh for several years actually uh where I've had um <laughs> I've I've had guys rolling in and, and I want to say it's the 15th or 16th hole it might be the 16th where it's like a par 3 maybe and there's a, like the late I or maybe it's a par 4 there's water there's water seventeen. There's water that you can take on if you want to to get to the hole, or you could be smart and lay up and play from the angle. And I always, and I think last year, the year before, it was Tony Finau tried to play the water. It was oh my god, it was so depressing. He was making a charge, and it was like no sooner he hit it, it was just like on the line. Like when they do the the shot tracker, you could just tell like. It's not going to make it, bro. <laughs> so I'm looking for um, for safe golfers. Um, and then um, I'm also looking for, like, like I like the hobbling angle. I don't typically play guys to win back-to-back tournaments. I think in recent memory, Brendan Todd is the last one to do it for me. Um I think Brooks did it for me one time too, but I don't typically take guys to win back to back. But Hovland great so well on approach shots, and he's he's always been in the mix per se. And he's a guy who has a lot of um, a lot of expectations 
behind his play. And at 28 to 1, I, I got to pick him. I don't necessarily agree with the idea of, of fading Brooks and Ricky. Uh, I, I don't want to take both of them, but Brooks has some pretty good history here. Um, he just hasn't always closed it out, but he knows the course. He loves the course. If you look at some of his quotes from uh, 2019, uh, he, I mean, he just absolutely loves Bermuda greens. He loves the the challenge of the course. And he's another guy who typically grades pretty well on hard courses as well. So um, it is a risky spot to take him to win outright because we still don't know if he's 100% healthy, but he's got familiarity here. Uh, he, he's a Florida guy as well. Um, I think he went to Florida State. So, yeah. There's familiarity with the course there. It's worth taking a look into um, if you're like taking the angle of course history and and um, an elite player like Ricky and Brooks are going to be in that mix. Um, two guys that I think are good picks for top 20s, um, my man Harry Higgs and um, Harris English. Harris English is one of the most underrated golfers on tour when it comes to top 20 props. He's been in the top 10, I want to say four or five times already. Yeah, he's very consistent, um, and he plays safe golf. And I think on on, on this type of course, because it's, it's such a hard course, if you play safe, you, you're doing fine. Like, there are going to be situations uh, this weekend where guys are just going to do enough not to lose strokes and they're going to gain ground because people around them are just being ridiculous. Um, I will say that I am going to look heavy into adding one or two guys that are good in the wind. Luke List would obviously fit that. Another long shot that every time is windy, I never He's plan plus for somebody. He's 700 for a top 10. Yeah. Oh, Luke List is? That's one of my top okay, 10 picks. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I'm gonna I'm gonna put him down as a long shot for the top. Oh, when you said top ten, I'm thinking top twenty. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look into that. But Keegan Bradley, I don't know why, but he always finds a way to be in the mix on tough courses and and wind is in play. Is it enough wind? I don't know, but I'm looking at him a little <clears throat> just to see if I can't find some value in a prop. I don't think I'm going to pick him to win outright, but um, a top 20 or something like that, I'm looking at. Harry Higgs, like I said, um, is another good prop. I'm not with the Matthew Wolf stuff, only because Matthew just – he's just not consistent enough for me around the green. Um, and and in, in this on this course, if you're not consistent around the green, like there's nothing but death. It's either water or sand. Like if you don't hit the green, that's what you're getting. You're not getting rough. You're not getting, like, uh, the people around the golf course. No, you're getting a bunch of sand or water. And strokes will be lost um, this weekend on guys who are not consistent with with hitting the greens. And and I think Wolf fits that. Um, One dude that you didn't mention that uh, actually doesn't do bad on this course, and I'm surprised you didn't, our guy M. Nope. He's, uh, He's 33 to 1 again, I think. Yeah, he's thirty to one. He's thirty to one. Now again, don't know if he's gonna win it, but I mean, from a prop standpoint, just to give you an idea of what you're mm-hmm. looking at, you mentioned Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland is plus one fifty for a top twenty, and he's twenty eight to one. Uh, M is thirty to one, so you're gonna get a little bit more value on him. And um, 
I, I kind of like him. I kind of like him and on. Um, these Asian golfers have been doing pretty good in the win, and and I'm willing to take a chance. Uh, I did see in the weather report that they were expecting something between the average of like 13 to 17 mile per hour wind. And then oh, it's you know, be brutal thing, two days. Okay, it's gonna be brutal two days. So you know how I am when it when it's windy. I love my ball strikers. So um, I'm glad that you mentioned my man Neiman, who has won a tournament for me this year because I picked him and it was somewhat windy. And I was like, well, he's a good ball striker. I'm running with that. So I will be looking um, at that stat heavily. Um, I know there's other um, stats that people are going to be looking at, but um, the three, the top three or top four in my mind. Uh, less than driver, um, bogey avoidance, ball striking, and then the approach shots uh, to the green. And then I, I'm glad that you actually broke that down into yardage because that'll make it a little bit easier for me to kind of figure it out. Because I mean, it's really going it to surprise to the placement because the the putting surfaces and stuff. Uh, because the Bermuda grass seems to be something that everybody yeah, kind of likes. It's not. It's not as it's not as like unpredictable as the uh, what do you call them yep. poanas. I can't stand yep. poana, which I need to pat myself <laughs> on the back uh, again for last week because last week was the first tournament I've ever won picking Patrick a golfer Reed on poana green. Yeah, yeah, I can't stand poana greens, man. Every time I pick somebody, the the ball just does the most ridiculous crap, and I'm like, dude, there's nothing even there. Like, why is it moving? Why is it not moving? Like, I don't understand this and it, it frustrates me, so I know it frustrates the golfers. But, um, yeah, so Bermuda, the Bermuda greens, I'm not too worried about putting this week. Um, like, usually I put some emphasis on strokes game putting. Um, I want to point out Patrick Reed was number one in strokes game putting last week. It really helped. Um, but that was just for the tournament, not necessarily for the PGA Tour. But he was in the top 25, I'm sure, for the tour. But he had one of the greatest putting uh, ever. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not he had ninety one putts. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not too too concerned with that this week. But um if you're looking for angles, you wanna find a couple guys that are good at win. I'm on DraftKings and trying to, to build me up a winner on that. So hopefully one day I can brag about winning a couple grand. But um I um I'm looking at wind, I'm looking at tea times based off of um based off of what's going on with the win on certain days. So um, just shoot your shot this tournament. It, it's not it's not a tournament where the top guys are technically going to win. If you look at the past winners, they haven't been top guys odds-making-wise. So definitely take your shots on the 70-to-1s, the 80-to-1s, the 40-to-1s, 50-to-1s, things like that. Um, there's nothing wrong with, with dropping ten dollars here and there on a on a long shot this week. Yeah, I got uh like I said, uh, about ten top tens and twenties I wanna go over real quick and I again was just thinking that what you're saying it's gonna be really difficult. Some of the odds you can get for some of these top tens and twenties because of the odds in the event are a little higher than normal. You got Sean O'Hare as plus 650 for a top 20 in his last six, uh, six starts here. He has an 11th, 14th, 25th, and an 18th. This is a court that suits him. 
gaining strokes everywhere except around the greens, and ball striking is bigger here than the short game, so I like that. I like Jason Duffner. You can find this at some places for plus 1,100. I saw just recently it's down to plus 800, so people are seeing that for a top 20. He's never missed a cut here, plays great in the wind, and he has five top 25 appearances uh, in 10 trips to this tournament. Stuart Sink, one of my favorites, at plus 1,000 for a top 20. Sink constantly shows up on leaderboards here, the Sony and Colonial. Those are all courses we talked about. He's built for this kind of course. And if you can get him at 10 to 1, or honestly, even if the odds go down a little bit, I really like him. This is a guy that's won an open championship. He plays great in the win. Uh, We talked about Sam Burns, but I got him at plus 400 for a top 20. Sam is third in the field in strokes gained ball striking and is on Bermuda Greens, where last year he gained nearly half a stroke on the field when putting with him. His issue is if he misses the green, he's dead. He's terrible at scrambling, and this is a very difficult course to scramble on. But he's another player that thrives on tough venues. He's top ten on tour. I think he's going to hit it well enough that even when he does miss greens, and it's not a tournament where you can, you know, if you shoot two under every day, you're going to be right there. I like him in a top 20 plus 400. Uh, Jim Furyk plus 333 for a top 20. I'm only doing this because of the wind forecast. It's going to play brutal. He had a top 10 here just last year. He consistently plays hard course as well. Uh, my last top 20. He's 100 years DJ old. I don't care. This guy right here is older than him. VJ Singh at plus 2,000 for a top 20. He's 110. He has three top six. Okay. We'll see, Alan, on Sunday. VJ has three top six <laughs> here, including last year and in 2016. Don't sleep on my man VJ. He loves this golf course. Uh, and top 20, man, I'm telling you, top 20 is probably going to be around two, three under. VJ can get to that number. My top 10 plays, I got Charles Schwartzel at plus 700. He's got six starts here. He's been in the top 16 and four of them, including two top 10s, seven to one odds. I like that. We talked about Lee Westwood. You can get him at plus 700. Uh, so I don't need to go over that. I got Lucas Glover at plus 700 for a top 10. He's done that uh, in his last three times at the Honda. He's finished fourth, 17th, and 21st. He has a fourth in 2013. Great track record at this golf course. He's won a U.S. Open. He plays very well on difficult golf course. We went over Luke List. I said he's plus 700, so I'm not only picking him to win, I'm also taking him with a top 10. And then my last top 10 pick is Daniel Berger at plus 330. Top 10, he's in good form. He's got a good track record here. And, again, it's a weak field, so I like those odds almost, you know, three and a half to one. Don't I remember be when I used to get – and Furyk. <laughs> no, hold on. I I remember when I used to get uh, Daniel Berger at like sixty to one and seventy one. Him and Russell yep. Knox. It's unfortunate. Um, but no, yeah, I'm definitely hating on VJ Singh and Jim Furyk. I mean, I might follow you, but still, I'm I'm not gonna omit the fact that they're both a hundred. They're fossils, man. They're freaking old. Why? Like, I mean, at least Jim, at least Jim occasionally drops some like ridiculous historic number. Like she's a fifty nine or something like that occasionally. But VJ Singh. I haven't seen him compete in a long time. I want to say there was one tournament last year where he did okay, but he had the lead that, at this tournament last year going into Sunday. Right, maybe like, how can you not then. like that? How can I not he's like that? Because he's a hundred. Man. man, don't be hating man. on BJ, dude. He's one of the he's greats. So he's the guy that old. gets forgotten from this generation. He is, but so yeah. is Ernie. 
and so is Eric, and so is Phil, and so is Tiger. And they should all go to the senior tour. They really should. (laughs) That's not. I I wish they would. I know. They're in the way. They're in the way, especially Phil. Good God, Phil. Let it go already. Um, I still play Phil for John. I I can't help it, man. But no, VJ VJ's okay. It's just picking old golfers sometimes, man. It's just frustrating because you can tell when they start getting tired because they're just old. It's like, dude, come come it on, is. man. Like you, you're only hitting the ball this too many yards. Tournaments, I would though. Yeah. This and majors, top twenties. I like it, man. I'm serious because yeah. they know how to get around. I mean, these guys know how to be on it'll be a low. It'll be a low number. Um, I'm not like I said. I'm just gonna bash it because they're old. But I'll probably follow the VJ thing at least. Um, Jim Furyk, it, and it'll probably be the tournament where he actually does good. But I haven't had much luck with playing that bum. <laughs> so, but uh, it's would you agree this is one of the courses where you you typically don't see people do driver a lot? You better make sure you're hitting it really freaking straight. So, yeah, I think, I mean, that was what, from all the research I did, That that's why they were saying distance actually played a bigger key. It's not because of what you think, yeah. like, oh, these guys are bomb. It's because the guys that can hit three wood off the tee, you know, 290, are still having 160, 150 in the holes. And then if you got guys either take on the holes by hitting driver the same distance or hit a three wood and then they're 200 out, you know, obviously it makes sense that that's why the distance plays, you know, almost, what, 20% more than the accuracy uh, in that total driving number. Yeah, and and um, I was going to say, typically Jim, I know for a fact, does well on courses where people take the driver out of play. It's probably because he's old, but still, he does typically <laughs> does well on those type of courses. And the older golfers, because they're used to having to to be more precise with their game anyway, because they don't have the distance, they typically do take better angles um, and and get better approach shots. And again, we're looking to avoid bogeys. So if you you got conservative guys who who know how to take advantage of of opportunities and angles, they're that's your plays. I mean. Like I said, I bash VJ, but at, at a top 20, you're probably getting pretty good value on him. And like you were saying, it's probably going to be two or three under. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. 20 I'm to 1, dude, for VJ. He's got three top To be a top there. 20? I'll take a chance. And it's not like, yes. No, not I'm, all right, I'm so just says, Come I'm on, Alan. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I, I thought he was as excited as you were about him. I thought you were picking him to win because, you know, he was in contention no, last no, no. year. No, no, 20 to 1 for a top 20, man. You can't beat that, dude. For a guy that's got three top sixes and has done it last year and in 2016, that was only four years ago. So I, I, I told mean, you, I'm, I love those all in. I'm all in. I'm, I'm supporting. I'm supporting. I'm not even – and if it don't hit, it just don't hit. But I'm all in because the data supports it, even if he's old as a fossil. But I will be there. I can at least put and I'm getting older, so I, I feel for him now. You know, like as you get older, you don't you don't like the jokes on older people as much because it's like, man, I can see I myself know. hitting that age real quick. I don't know anything about that because I'm still in my prime. Where Brooks, <laughs> I'm <still> in my prime. <laughs> so yeah, um, but this this week, like I was saying in in the other group, and and once I do my little write up tomorrow, um, it is a very difficult course is going to be very difficult for golfers 
um, DFS and outright wins and gambling, like, just be patient. Be patient. Just try to make the cut. That's what we're looking for. Everybody make the cut. Uh, I actually had in um, in the last tournament that we played with the cut, I had all my golfers make the cut, which is very rare. None of them won, and I came in second again, but they all made the cut. So on um, on DraftKings, I won a couple hundred dollars just simply by all my guys making the cut because I just kept scoring. So um, you're looking at top 20s and things like that. You want to definitely make sure you pay attention to how guys are in their current form and if they've been making cuts. And I know you're kind of new to the DraftKings stuff. You know you need to be doing only single entries, right? Yeah, that's what people told me. <laughs> no, I'm not I, I, to because people will literally put in 150 entries and the ones that they can put in 150 entries or 20 entries and the ones that they can put 20 entries in. And yeah, it's just I want somebody to beat me with their best shot and not, oh, I'm going to blow my wad and put in the max amount of, you know, entries possible because, I mean, you get like 10 people with 150 max entries and even a 10,000 you know, person tournament, that's, they got like a, you know, almost what, uh, one eighth of the field. So you really do need, I, I highly recommend, because it took me a long time to figure out, do single entries. I like the smaller uh, single entries where if you can do like, say, I don't know, a five or $10 entry and there's maybe 300 to 600 people in it. Uh, obviously you don't get paid out unless you do well, but the payouts are bigger, and I just think you have a lot better chance at winning those personally. I still do one at least big single entry every week that's, you know, the either the 5 or the $12 one, but I highly recommend doing single entries. Yeah, and, and um, I'm, I'm, I am fairly new to this, so I'm definitely learning as I go. But please believe, when I do figure out a system – um, I will definitely share it with everyone. I'm not, like I said, I'm not opposed to everybody making money. I don't care. I mean, shoot, if you win because it's something that I give you as far as advice, I'm happy for you too. That's right. That's why we're doing this podcast. So uh, you yep. got anything you want to plug? Why don't you plug your NBA uh, show? Go ahead. Yeah, we're doing the NBA show on um, Thursday. Um, this week, my plan is to talk about um, Zion and LeBron's matchup, which I'm not gonna lie, I, I haven't had any sleep, so I'm probably not gonna catch it. Uh, I'm probably gonna have to catch the replay. But um, talk about Zion and LeBron's matchup, how the Lakers God, botched getting getting rid of Kuzma and and um, I mean getting rid of Ingram and not keeping Kuzma or or keeping Kuzma. Um, talk about the state of the 76ers, uh, what's going on with that team, and then how real are the Clippers' chances of winning the NBA championship? So. If you want any Are you already questions flip flopping for what we talked about two weeks ago? No, I'm not flip flopping, man. But they did just lose <laughs> to like one of the biggest bum teams out there, and I, I just saw my you. man Kawhi. I saw Kawhi get crossed up by uh, Ja. I don't like that, man. But I mean, it's still the season's they, still young. Like these dudes, these dudes. Well, at least Kawhi has already won a championship, so he's just kind of in his like I cruise agree. control right now. And they, I mean, PG's only they played do. five games, so. Well, that's what they need. Be I just don't know if he's going to be able to play. Well, all right. Well, be all right. Uh, this is this has been another edition of the backdoor cover, uh, and hopefully this time next week we'll be screaming. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. talk.